The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman grew up in a materialistic household. Her parents worked hard and showed her she could have anything she wanted. And as an adult, she found this to be true. She lived in a 7,000 square foot home and from the outside had it all, but she wanted more. She wanted a life balanced with passion and significance as opposed to a life full of only self-actualization. The real change started when she became a mother and experienced the joy of being with her child. Her focus shifted from accomplishing to instead learning, growing, and sharing. This shift changed everything. She was no longer just on a journey toward achieving, but had shifted to a path of leadership. And as a leader, a woman of greatness began to unfold. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Kelly Resendus. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. I am so excited to be here and, and sharing this conversation with you. Absolutely. I didn't tear up your last name, did I? I got it right. You did I? not. Okay. You did wonderfully. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, we have much to discuss today, so let's get right to it. Boundaries are so important for a woman if she wants to be successful. And part of setting boundaries is being able to say no. So my question to you is, how have you learned when to say no? And was there a time this was a struggle for you? Oh, wow. What a great question. Oh, my goodness. You know, boundaries, I never had them. Honestly, just in the beginning of my life, I just, I kind of said yes to everything and didn't realize that I was focusing on way too many things instead of just getting clear on what my own priorities were and then learning how to say no and just set those along the way. And so I would say this probably really started about um, 15 years ago. And where I really started with was my time in my business at the time, you know, there were just so many people that wanted to meet and talk about ways that we could build business together, other things. And I had a very successful business. I was in, I was in the mortgage industry and originating and had a pretty, pretty good sized team at that point. And so what I originally started with was just being able to make some decisions for myself, like health was important. So if, people wanted to go out to lunch every single day or go grab coffee every single day. Like it deteriorated my health. And so I made some really tough decisions to go against the grain of what other people in my industry were doing and just basically said, I don't do lunches and I don't do coffees. And so that was kind of my first big business one that actually paid off because what I didn't realize that it was going to do was it just created even more I would say of that scarcity type within, you know, people knew that my time was scarce. And so they wanted more of it. And it actually increased my business and it increased, you know, the way that I did business because I wasn't like everybody else. And so boundaries really helped me first in business, just decide what are the things that I love to do? You know, we all have limited energy. And so I didn't love to go out to lunch with people all the time because I would get sucked in to the vortex of what was going on in their lives personally. And I just didn't have capacity to be able to do that. And so setting those boundaries for myself, just out of the gates, then bled into every other area of my life. And I just started to ask myself, like, am I really enjoying time with this person? Is this really an investment that I want to make? 
And I was able to just look at how do I put other boundaries in place for family members, for, you know, just birthday parties, like different events, like, did I really enjoy them? And what I really found was I had to manage my energy through the boundaries that I put in place. And so it's been super, just super fun for me over the years to just learn to say no to even more things so that I can say yes to those bigger, you know, those bigger meaningful things that are really going to make me feel the way that I choose to feel. And I think that that is a fantastic perspective. And I think a message that those listening really need to hear because women really struggle with no. They feel like they're letting people down. They worry that people won't like them. You know, yeah. we, you and I have had all those feelings for sure along the way. And it's, um, it's kind of freeing in it when you get to a point where oh. you, you're okay with saying no. Yeah. Well, and not having to about it or, or explain yeah. it. Exactly. I mean, we exude so much energy and, and many of us operate in our masculine a lot as we're working. And so to continuously say to say yes to more doing is not what we need to do. We need to say yes to more being. Like, how can I just be at peace, taking a bath, going for a walk, watching a romantic comedy, reading something that's nurturing or being out in nature? Like, those are the things that we want to say yes to, because otherwise we're going to just end up doing so much for so many other people that we're going to be depleted. And that's the cycle that we want to end is just do, give so much, burn out, start over again. Like, we just want to end that. Yeah, I think that's a great... Uh, great. And you've led perfectly into my next question. So thank you for doing that. So as, as a highly driven woman, you told me it was very easy for you to function in your masculine energy and that it even feels like an addiction at times. So has this caused you problems over the years? And what do you do these days to bring in more feminine energy? Yeah, what a timely question for this, because I had been doing so well um, for I can't even tell you how long. And, and then boom, I just got hit recently with just that, that little bit of burnout. You know, when you think about what happens when we're in our masculine, we're basically creating more testosterone and depleting our estrogen or estrogen is really, we want higher estrogen levels so that we can feel more. And so it is so important that we recognize like it's easier for us it is easier for us if we've been doing it for so long, especially those achievers, those drivers to, you know, to get recognition when our, when we're in our masculine, we're checking off the things on our list, we're doing things like that, but that's what's going to lead to burnout. And so I've, I've really been somebody that's been intentional about this in my past where, you know, I have transitions between being you know, in a, in a power position at work to then wanting to go home and nurture my children, you know, I will take a bath. I will take a moment to reset. I will really just, you know, be intentional about getting back into my feminine and then bring out some of that femininity through things like sharing my feelings, which is not easy. I could go weeks without telling anybody how I felt, but that's not what's healthy for us. So I definitely am more intentional about making sure that I connect with friends, you know, really just being able to draw out that state of being rather than just doing all the time. Yeah. And I think when you're in that place of of accessing your masculine and your feminine, that's truly when you do show up powerfully. 
Absolutely. And, and, it, and it makes a difference in our relationships too. You know, we need polarity in our relationships between masculine and feminine energy. And so if we're just constantly in our masculine, we're probably either a not going to attract a partner or we're going to repel the partner that we do have. And <laughs> well, so we've got to get intentional about letting them help us, you know, whether it's letting them rub our feet or our shoulders or just doing things for us, asking for help. Uh, which is not normally most women's strong suit. You know, we'd much rather boil in blame or resentment that they're not doing the things that would help us rather than just using our voice to be able to ask for it. And it's interesting that you talked about repelling your partner because that can happen before we know it. Because we oh, we come in, in we, <laughs> yeah, we come home and we don't disconnect and tie into our feminine because somehow, well, we don't show that it worked much. And in our companies, because we we have to be in that masculine energy, we have to be decisive. We can't look soft or weak or you know whatever we perceive that feminine energy to portray in some of those spaces. Absolutely, we become hypercritical. That's really you know or controlling or, or things like that. That's what that's what it's going to bring out. Where if we are in our feminine, we're going to be more understanding. One of my favorite parts of the book, The Queen's Code. I don't know if you've read Alice Armstrong's The Queen's Code. I haven't. I've Queen's heard Code. of it, yeah. So um, one of my favorite parts was one of the characters in the story said that all of the things in her house spoke to her. So like if her husband left his socks in the middle of the room, they were like speaking to her or a cup on the counter or any of these other things that maybe our male counterparts don't even notice or see them where for all of us, like we walk in the house and I, I am totally guilty of this. I walk in the house I see immediately every single thing that's out of place. And then, boom, I have to catch myself. Like, it's okay. Like, let it go. Go take your bath. Come back, recenter. We're going to be okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we're just flowing right along here. So one of the biggest challenge for so many women, especially for you as well, is asking others for help. So what are you doing to move toward changing this way of thinking and behaving? Yeah, well, I think it starts with awareness. It starts with awareness, um, really just asking yourself, have I ever been good at asking for help? And when I looked back on my history, I thought asking for help was weakness. Well, that's masculine. That is really, I mean, it started from a young age just because I didn't want to be a burden to my parents. I wanted them to believe that I was competent and whatnot. And I think just that awareness that asking for help or vulnerability is more powerful than not, because that's where we really create the life that we choose is by being able to communicate effectively, like what would be helpful to me from my partner, from my team, without just expecting. You know, when you think about the opposite, not asking for help, it's going to lead to disappointment. It's going to lead to standards not being met that we have that are silent. Like we've created them, but the people around us don't even know that they exist. And so they're set up for failure. And, and you know, if you ask anyone, one of the number one reasons why men, especially in relationships struggle is they're like, I don't know how to make my partner happy. And we have to learn how to communicate what makes us happy. And really be in that state that we're, we're able to draw out the best in other people around and just not take it for granted that they know what we're thinking. And so I just remind myself every single day, like, what are the things that would be most helpful 
to me from my team, from my kids, from my partner, whoever it might be, and just being super intentional about getting out of my head and getting to that place where it's like, it's okay. Like, I'm going to be really vulnerable with you right now, but it would really help me out. Or I love it when I come home and the garbage can's already pulled in. Simple things, like simple shifts that will make just a lasting effect in where we are. And I think when you really look at the flow of giving and receiving, many of us have blocked, you know, just the flow because we give too much. Like we've got to be intentional about receiving. We have to be really just like, we've got to be better receivers. That's, that's really what the essence of femininity is, is being in that place of receiving. And so you've got to be able to ask for help in order to be able to do that. And and I'm going to add something to that because as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's, um, we are selfish in so many ways when we don't ask for help Yes, because people like to be able to help. It makes them feel good. And, And we as driven women in particular, because we can do so many things so well, we often think nobody else can do it as good as we can. And that may be true, but it's still a very selfish attitude in the long run, isn't it? Yeah. And I think there's a difference though, too, because there are a lot of things that we don't want anyone's help on. Like being able to share our feelings it's really important. And, you know, Dr. John Gray is masterful at being able to help people with this situation is being able to say, listen, I don't want you to solve my problems. I don't need you to give me feedback. I just need a space that I can share how I'm feeling without you doing anything. And then being able to do that and releasing it and then moving on, you know, where it's a little bit different than asking for help. Like, Hey, if I'm going to cook, I would love for you to be able to do the dishes or would you do this? Or would you do that? Like, that's really what we've got to decide. What are the things that we really want help on? And then what are the things that we just need to release? You know, we just need a strong shoulder to be able to just release them and not have them do anything because masculine is going to be problem solving. And sometimes it's like, I don't need you to do anything. Give me advice about my job. Like, you know, nothing about my job and then it's going to make it worse. So we've got to be clear, like, Hey, I'm going to articulate very clearly. Like I need your help. I need your support or I just need you to listen. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could have, and that whole concept of communication and the vibes that we give off, we could have an entire hour conversation on that, Kelly. So we'll we'll have another podcast on that one. Yes, we love it. As a strong leader, what do you focus on that yields the biggest results? I'd like for you to share a comment or two, because you, you were talking about there was a tip that you felt very strongly about that made strong leaders. Do you remember what that was? You know, when I really think about leadership, my greatest way that I've ever led is no, I check my ego at the door. I really am more of a servant leader. I want to celebrate when my team reaches new highs and really just be a mirror back to them, you know, in anything that they really do. And so from a leadership perspective for me, when, when it comes to getting the most out of my team, and this has been in in all different aspects is just having absolute clarity about what winning is. 
you know, what, what winning means to them, how I can support them on winning, teaching them the tools that they need. And, you know, we pretty much on, on my teams here at work, they're, they're kind of in a personal growth boot camp at all times. You know, I utilize every opportunity to shift the way that they think, to identify their, you know, means of self-sabotage, be able to just kind of share back to them what I'm seeing, opportunities, that kind of thing. So from a leadership perspective, my greatest leadership quality is I never stop working on myself ever. I never stop, you know, doing that. You know, one of the things that that when we talked that you had also shared that I just want to touch on briefly is that you as a leader look for things, the things that are right, as opposed to focusing on things that are wrong. And I think that's real important because we as driven individuals often are perfectionists a bit, aren't we? Yes. And I would say (laughs) being in what I would call recovery uh, for the last, you know, it's, it's so funny because I've been referring to myself as a recovering perfectionist for darn near 15 years. And it's kind of hysterical because every day I still run into where my perfectionism is showing up. Like it just still, it just still shows up. That's why it's just this lifelong journey of, of growth, right? New triggers come up, new situations, et cetera. But the thing that I've grown most in is really learning how to stay in flow or in this abundance mindset, which means I focus on what's satisfactory. And so as things happen around the office, I shift language. If somebody says I have a problem, I'm like, okay, what challenge do we have today? You know, what are your ideas for getting through it? What's good about this? What did you learn? You know, like it is that whole idea that we create more of what we focus on. So I don't allow our team to focus very long on the things that are not satisfactory. We have to be aware of them. We can't just pretend like something doesn't (laughs) exist, but at the same time, we've got to learn how to shift our focus. And if this is my greatest gift, when you get the abundance bug, I mean, the way that I kind of see it is you have to share it. You know, one of my favorite things that Bob Proctor says is it's like, it's your responsibility. Like once you understand it, like it's your responsibility to be able to share that our focus is what creates more. And so if you focus on everything that's challenging, we're going to get more of it. If we focus on the things that aren't, we're going to get more of that. Yeah. And I think that's wonderful for people to remember because uh, in the midst of the battle, we can forget that. Yeah. We? we lose and that. there's easy ways to practice this. Like I look at, I look at coffee and traffic is the two easiest way to practice it. Right. So if you think about traffic, no one ever thinks to themselves, wow, this is amazing. Traffic is just moving so amazing today. Like people are using their blinker. Did you see that person merge over? They did such a great job. Like just noticing something that simple is going to shift the way that you look at life. Because most of the time we only notice it when it's backed up. We only notice it when someone cuts us off or doesn't use their blinker. You know, so that's traffic. The copy side is just the people in Starbucks lines that are losing it over whatever it is. You're like, seriously, 20 years ago, you had to make drip coffee at home and you didn't have anything other than milk and sugar to put in it. Now, today, you can order a, you know, grande, non-fat, caramel, whatever it is. Like, it is unbelievable how much gratitude we should have for how far coffee's come. 
you know, somebody else will make it for you. Like so many things that we can be grateful for when it comes to those, just that's what you've got to learn how to do is just practice. Cause undoubtedly you're going to focus on, you know, the one thing that your employee, your partner, your client does wrong, where you don't put focus on the other 99 things that they did right. I'll tell you a little quick story about that. I had an employee who continuously left the back door to the business open. So I focused on trying to correct him on that. Yeah. The more I focused, the worse it got. Yeah. And, and it was such a fascinating, then I got into this place of intellectually watching it and thinking, isn't this fascinating behavior? And when I stopped focusing on it, he finally self-corrected and it didn't become a problem anymore. So yeah. what you said can happen on so many levels that when we focus on something for too long, we just perpetuate it. Absolutely. I mean, and there's lessons in that too, because how we communicate something to someone, especially, I mean, since it was a man, singular focused, you have to tell him what it would provide to you. Like, gosh, I feel so much safer. I feel so provided for when you do that. Like the minute you use some of these key languages that, you know, I've been studying feminine and masculine language for for a long time, just simple things can make the biggest impact. But again, if you focus on what's not working, you're going to get more of it. (laughs) I I practice this with my kids all the time. Like, you know, I did it last Thursday, um, Thanksgiving morning, my kids were at their dad's and, you know, I send them a lovely Thanksgiving message and my daughter responds pretty quickly with a lovely message back, but my son doesn't. And my first instinct was that first gut was irritation. And then it was like, whoa, sit back. What do you want to receive? Like, what's the best case scenario right now? And it was that he shares gratitude. And within 10 minutes, just got an amazing message back from him. But that's what a lot of times we just don't realize. Like, we can just, again, the expectations get us. Yeah, yeah, they do. And and then if you go back around full circle, that's often tied to that perfectionist. Syndrome yes. that we carry People around with us. Yeah. Oh, so we need to come back to us. Yeah, yep. the list is long, isn't it? It sure is. It is. So I'm going to move to the next question. So being able to trust oneself is so important to success. And for you, this trust comes as a result of knowing the difference between your intuition and your programming. So share what this means for you and how you recognize which is which. Yeah. So I'd say the first thing that I want to start with is that we all have intuition that we've allowed to be disrupted by other people's opinions, by information that we think Google's giving us that just is out there. And in order to really be in that place where you can tap into your intuitive knowing and just get centered, you've got to learn how to quiet the noise around you. So that's really important. Like we we really don't need a lot of external validation when it comes to our intuition. And so those are, you know, when I get intuitive, just knowing of where I need to go, that's when I'm in flow, where I'm just guided, you know, that whole idea that our life is just guided. Like I'm just, I'm making the right decisions or I'm not making a decision. A lot of times that is the best decision. Like I need to allow this to unfold, Mm. you know, so that's the intuitive knowing. The opposite side of it are the programming triggers that might come up. Those ones feel like just a lot of focus on the wrong things. 
So it is just programming that's deep in our subconscious. Maybe it's the perfectionism. Maybe it's judgment. You know, a lot of us are guilty of judging other people really quickly. Well, if your parents did it, you're going to do it. That's just programming. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that you, if you judge somebody, that intuitively you shouldn't have them in your life. You've got to be able to learn how to just kind of sort and qualify what those feel like. And so for me, when I have deep intuitive knowing, it doesn't come with anxiety. The minute that I get anxiety and just hyper-focus on something, it's like being on a freeway loop over and over and over again. I know that's my programming because my intuition wouldn't let me stay stuck in something. It would just, it'd just be like, there it is. There's the runway. You're landing the plane where my programming is like, it's just constantly trying to figure something out like a major big puzzle. And so that's kind of how I've been able to know the difference. And, you know, I use in a lot of my teaching, what I call kind of a thought management strategy that I wish we could all get out of our heads. Mm. I have not cracked the code on that. I think that we all wish that we knew how to eliminate some of the thought patterns that don't serve us. But what I do know how to do is sort and qualify the thoughts that I, I kind of believe come from our big voice or our intuitive knowing and my little voice, which is my ego or, you know, past wounds or things that my parents, you know, projected onto me or or patterns, that kind of thing. And so I am able to kind of sort and qualify them. And then I'm typically, when I'm balanced, able to just like stay above it. When I'm out of balance, I can fall victim to a little voice pretty darn quickly. It's interesting how that can happen, isn't it? Oh, and it happens really quick, but it's just, you know, we've had an extraordinary quarter of just growth uh, within our company here. And and I just didn't realize, like, I just had been, I was out of balance. Like I wasn't recharging, things kind of shifted. I wasn't doing the things that I always did. I was giving a little more than I was receiving. And when I got out of balance, it was next thing. It was just, woo, that little voice just took over and started to guide me in the wrong direction. And I find that if we get tired as women, that little voice will take over. Oh, and yeah. the self-doubt will creep yeah. in. And, and I mean, it's not a pretty sight. It really yeah. isn't. <laughs> yep. When I find myself yeah. going down that path, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, who is this woman? I don't like her. <laughs> I know. And I, I mean, my favorite advice, which doesn't work all the time, especially as we're working, but Abraham Hicks always just says, go take a nap. Like just oh, take yeah. a nap. It's the easiest way, like start over because at least then you're not going to, you know, you're not going to start from that lower vibration. Right. Right. And hurt yourself in the midst of it. Go take yes. a nap. Right. I think that's a good, that's a good one. Exactly. Get your blanket and go take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> Resort back to what it felt like as a child, which was a beautiful thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Kelly, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Yeah. You know, I would say that life is such a journey that until we all make that decision, like to truly put ourselves first, that we're going to have the ups and downs that, that are traditional. But when you put yourself first, it means you need to learn about your hormones. You need to learn about how, you know, just estrogen, low estrogen can affect how we show up in our lives. Like you need to learn about some of these things. So, so many women that I talk to or speak to don't even know the difference between masculine and feminine energy. And so you've got to invest some time and energy in getting to understand, you know, your own 
basically psychology and physical hormones that just affect you every single day and invest that time because it is not a given anymore. Now, if we were out in a village without anything else, we'd we'd probably all still be happy and joyful because we'd be doing our part and we'd be collaborating and we'd be doing all these other things. But life has changed so much today, especially for working women, that you need to carve out a little bit of time. You know, doing a morning ritual is what sets me up for success. 365 days out of the year, I'm very faith-based. You know, God comes first. So first thing I do every day is I read the Bible and then I go through my affirmations, my goals, you know, things that are going to set me up for success, things that I, I put intention around, you know, some of my greatest challenges have been trying to save other people. So, you know, I have to remind myself every day, you're not here to save other people. Like this is their own experience so that I can just bring my best self into parenting, into work, into my relationships. So just make that commitment to yourself that, you know, self-care is going to get it involve understanding yourself too. Yeah. And I think that is such good wisdom and advice to leave our conversation on. I, you have been an absolute delight, Kelly. Thank you so much for taking time. I know your schedule is crazy and I appreciate you coming and sharing all these things that you have learned through your walk through life so much. And I can't wait to see your greatness continue to unfold. I have no doubt that it's going to. And Kelly is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 